I don't know about you, but it makes my heart very glad to be able to partner with brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing an amazing work for the Lord. And uh, it's all of us together that are able to send missionaries like Dave and Olivia Wolf uh, to do the, the work that God has entrusted into their hands. Year to date, we have given, we and the, the Kearney campus, we have given over a little bit over $33,000 toward missions. Yeah. And, and that is just, that is outside of uh, what Dr. Orvis is doing in, on his own uh, ministry, which uh, more is coming in for him, and God is just graciously blessing that. Uh, my prayer is that we can get close to 50000 this year, that we will just give a loan to missions, uh, and that will be international as well as local. And here's what I know for sure, we can never outgive God. And to see the work, the miracle work of Jesus Christ in the hearts of these people that once walked with the enemy of their souls, and now they're walking in the creator and sustainer of life, Jesus Christ. It's amazing to see that. So, so we've been in the book of Ephesians, kind of switching gears now. We started a series last week in the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And if you remember, I, I laid a foundation there. And we started out with the understanding, kind of the, the going back to the then and there, the contextual setting or the historical setting, and we see that Paul went into a place that was very immoral. Uh, there was a lot of idolatry in Ephesus. Uh, the great goddess of Diana was worshipped there. And uh, then there was a lot of uh, occult worship and witchcraft. And we see in the book of Ephesus, especially in the, in, as you read the book of Acts, uh, that, that Paul, he, he uh, taught there for three years. And in those three years, the, the gospel moved across Asia and did such a great impact that many, 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 many people were saved. They gave their life to Jesus, and they actually began to bring the books of witchcraft, and they began to burn them in the city square. See, it's no different today. It's happening today. Wherever the gospel goes, lives are changed. Wherever people walked in darkness... The light of Christ is so powerful that he overcomes the darkness and we're able to walk in newness of life and this restoration that God brings. Now, remember the foundation that he starts out this letter talking about we are in Christ. Our holiness is not dependent on us. It's dependent on what Jesus did on the cross. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness, from all unworthiness. Remember I talked about how religion will categorize your goodness and there's different layers of, of, of people. Some people are, you know, are put in a different uh, higher level. Some are lower. And today uh, we talked about how religion can sometimes, uh, your sainthood is earned and they canonize, an institution will canonize who the saints are and who they aren't. But the Bible is absent of that. The Bible says that every follower of Christ is a saint, is a holy one. And we'll see that throughout, throughout Ephesians. We'll see how important that is. We also found that we're chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in Christ. So it's his doing. So before you ever did anything, God chose you. Before uh, Dave and Olivia ever went on a plane, God had chosen them for this work that they were going to do. And it's beautiful to know that it's him choosing us and not us earning this choosing. He also lavished us 
with grace. In other words, he smothered us with grace. And I don't know about you, but I need all the grace I can get. Because we seem to fall short of the glory of God, right? So we saw all of those things taking place last week. Now, today, we're going to look at how do we get right with the one who matters? How do we get right with God? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever, have you ever in a relationship known that something is not right in that relationship? And have you ever said something like this, hey, are, are, are we okay are we all right? Because you know that something isn't right. And then, and then you take the steps to make that relationship right. Amen? And, and what, if, what if you want to get right with God? What steps do you have to take? Well, the Bible is very clear on what needs to happen for us to get right with God. And it's so much more dependent on what he does than what you could ever do. It's so much more through the grace and the mercy of God than anything that we can do and accomplish on our own. And that's what chapter 2 is all about. So before I go into chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, I want to read a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed at the end of chapter 1. And in that prayer, it helps us to, to understand how Number one, how God's people should be praying for each other and how we should look at, at, at this lens in how we live our lives, okay? So we're going to read from uh, chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. And here's a prayer that the apostle Paul prayed. He said, is he talking, writing to the church in Ephesus, okay? He's also thinking about us. The Holy Spirit's thinking about us. He says, I have, I have not stopped Thanking God for you. That's important for us to grab a hold of, right? That God, that God wants his people to thank God for each other. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of, of God. So you can understand who God is. So you won't have a misconception of God. He keeps on going. Verse 18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called. Pause. Pause. See, when the, when the light of God shines in your heart, outside of that, our hearts are pretty darkened. By the world, by our flesh, and by the devil. And so God says when you pray, you want for your hearts to be enlightened with God so that you can see things clearly. Because where your heart is, is where your life will be. Are you with me? Wherever your heart is, the condition of your heart will usually determine the condition of your life. So he says, you know, I want for your heart to be flooded with light. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Man, I love that because he's talking about how much worth you have, how worthy you are in God. We always think, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Well, yeah, outside of Christ, you're not worthy, but in Christ, you have so much worth. Every person that is sitting here in this first service is important to Jesus. Every single person is worth 
so much to God. Every person that's watching online right now, you are worth so much to your creator. Then he goes on and he says this. Uh, verse 20, uh, or verse 19, the end. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly places. So he says, this greatness of God's power that, that, that we're praying for, for, for this to operate in and through you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the same power that the Holy Spirit produces so that you can do things that you could never do on your own. So here's what I want you to kind of ponder. What is God calling you to do? What hindrances do you have in your life? They're not bigger than God. And when we pray these prayers, you know, when I hear the story about Dave and Olivia and where God has taken them, Dave, I don't think that you could have done what you've done. Olivia, I don't think that you have, would be able to do what you do without the power of God working through you. Which doctors don't come to God without power? Because they're, they're, they're tapping into power, but it's the power of darkness. Amen? And, and so we, we, we grab a hold of that fact. And, and, and here's where I want us to go. There's, there's, there's some things that I want to share with you that will help us to understand as we go into chapter 2 and read through the narrative of verses 1 through 10, that will help us to understand how do we get right? Because if you're right with God, then you're right with the one that matters. And everything else will align itself to where it needs to be. And so here's where I want to start. Point number one. You have to recognize that outside of Christ, we were the walking dead. And I'm not just saying that. The, the, the Bible teaches us that. The Apostle Paul, as he's writing it, there, there was a... Uh, there was a, 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 a sitcom, a series called The Walking Dead. And in that, uh, we, we see that these zombies walking around, right? Oh, my goodness. That's probably all makeup right there. Now, that might not be the way we looked on the outside, but on the inside, that's who we were. Amen? Amen. And so, so as, as we look at that, you know, we were, we were these dead men. But in spite of our condition, in spite of how we were positioned, God still loved us. And God loves every person that's walking around in, the, in, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, and in the world. And this is how he starts out verse 1. He said, and you were, he's talking to the Ephesian church, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, how did he start out the letter? Paul, the apostle, an apostle not by the will of man, but the will of God, writing to the church in Ephesus, to the holy ones in Ephesus. Now he's, now he's giving them some, some, some understanding. He says, okay, I want you to know who you were. Your holy ones now but you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Now, that's important for us because trespasses is when you violate something. You rebel against authority. You, you push the barriers. You color outside the lines. 
Many of us live there. Sins, the original Greek word for sin is to miss a mark, to fall short in an area. And we all fall short of the glory of God. So every aspect is addressed here as the Apostle Paul is writing. Verse 2, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That is so important for us to understand it. Paul is saying that, that there, the, the world is working against Every follower of Christ, is, he, the world is against the, the, the very uh, desires of God, but we walk according to the desires of the world. I don't know about you, but I, I can say very wholeheartedly that I used to be there. Before Christ, I walked contrary to the things of God. And then it says, the spirit of the air that is working in the, 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 the men and women of disobedience, the, the spirit of the air is, is the enemy of our souls. And he'll touch on that in, in Ephesians chapter 6. He'll talk about the spiritual warfare that we're in. But here he's giving us an understanding that every person is led by the voice of the enemy outside of Christ. Amen? Every single one of us were in that zone at one time. And then he talks about the flesh. He says, we too formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. Our flesh is, is who we are and what we do that is contrary to God. And our flesh is always waging war against the things that God has for us. And the only way that we can overcome the flesh is through the power of God. Here's the good news. We can overcome the desires of the flesh through the power of God. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And greater is he that, 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 that works through me than my flesh that tries to live contrary to how good God is. I love the way that the, the, the Passion Translation puts, it, puts verse 2. The, the Passion Translation puts it like this. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and value of this world, or values, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. And there's, there's three realities, there's, there's three things that are so vital for us to identify, because these don't change. And the first thing is this, religion that is absent of a relationship with Christ is always dead. Religion that is not based on this relationship that we have with our Savior is dead. It's you trying to attain faith, favor with your creator on your own. But when you come to Jesus, the Bible says that we become born again. Born again into a new relationship with the Father. 
Born again to be able to hear his voice, to be able to discern the things of God. You'll never have that with religion. With religion, it's you doing, doing, doing. With Jesus, it's already been done. He did what we could not do. And when you, when you grab a hold of that, when you embrace that, when you bring that as part of your life and you're born again into a new identity, into a new position, you're made a new creation. And you walk in this relationship with God. Here's what you need to know, beloved. Is that God desires to have a relationship with you every day of your life. He loves you that much. Think about your most important relationships to date. David and Olivia, I love that you guys put your family up there and you, you had a reunion. That's a wonderful thing, amen? Amen. See, my family is an important relationship to me. And I love having those times together. And it doesn't matter what we do for each other. What's most important is that we love one another. And that's how it is with God, beloved. God, the things that we do, that maybe the, the good things or the bad things are not as important as a relationship that he wants to have with you. He wants to love on you. And you can never have that with religion. You can only have it with relationship. Here's the second very important thing for you to, to identify. Traditions. Traditions or customs can become a smokescreen for us seeing Jesus for who he really is. If you, if you live your life in traditions, you will put God in a box. Even the way you were reared in, in, uh, in, in your faith... See, God is so much bigger than what we could ever imagine. He wants you to have vitality in your walk with him. You should never put him in a box. You should never limit the, the amazing power that God has for us. Traditions will always take you back. Well, we've never done things this way. We've never sang songs this way. We, we've never, uh, you know, we've, we've never put wood up on a wall this way. We've never had church this way. Why are all these different things? Those are all traditions. Can I tell you, we've talked about it over and over and over and over again. The church is not a building. The church are God's people. And when we grab a hold of that, we don't get locked in into traditions and customs because God is so much bigger. Amen? And, and, and we, we, we will get away from all the bickering, all the animosity, all the hate. When it's Jesus plus nothing, God becomes everything. And traditions and customs will only limit the potential of God in your life. The young people, beloved, the young people that are, that are, that are driving down the streets who need the love of God... They won't come to you for your traditions, but they will come to you for your God. They'll come to you for the power of Christ that works in the hearts of his people that do not limit the God of the universe who's been God from the beginning of time and he'll be God till the end of time. And traditions have come and gone and customs have come and gone, but God is everlasting. Jesus, when he was talking to the religious leaders, and, and I love this because 
it helps me to grasp not getting stuck in any traditions or any customs. The religious leaders, they would get very upset with Jesus because he did things uh, unorthodox compared to what they were used to. And, uh, and his disciples would do the same because they were in relationship with him. But everywhere that Jesus went, people were healed. Everywhere that Jesus went, he would multiply food and feed a multi, you know, different people. Everywhere that Jesus went, there were demons that were cast out. Mentally uh, impaired people were made whole because of the power of Christ. And because the religious leaders, hear me now, beloved, because the religious leaders were so stuck on their traditions, they missed their Savior that was there to save them. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus says this to the religious leaders, and why do you by your traditions violate the direct commandments of God? Which he was, he was talking about, about honoring your father and your mother and doing all the things that God has called us to do. He said, there's a smoke screen over you. you you're in the fog and you're not able to navigate because you're blinded by your traditions. Here's what we need to know, beloved. That traditions and customs, if you live by them, they will blind you to the goodness of God in your life and the life of others. Don't get stuck with tradition. Here's the third one. Values without Jesus lead us to trust our own efforts and abilities and not in the power of the cross of Christ. Anytime we value things or even works above the cross of Christ, it will lead to dead works. Anything that points to us takes the spotlight off, off of Jesus. Are you with me? Anything that elevates humanity, hear me now, what, what's the war going on right now? What's the tension that we're facing right now? Isn't it people against people? Isn't it, uh, I don't, shouldn't even say this, isn't it vaccinated and not vaccinated? Isn't it one political party and another political party? And, and it's elevating who you are. Isn't it uh, ethnicities? Isn't it, you know, minorities versus majorities and all these things? We're missing the one that's important. See, they're valuing. The value system is in the wrong place. The value should be in Jesus and in the cross of Jesus Christ. And what he does, not on the exterior, but on the interior of our hearts. And he changes us and he allows for us to love people where they're at because God loved me where I was at. He didn't leave me there, but he loved me. Here, here's what the Apostle Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. I love the way the message paraphrase puts it. He said, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's dog dung. Let me put it in, in, in another language. It's dong poo poo. Okay? 
Paul says, everything that I thought was good is all poo-poo to me because of having Jesus. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. Why? Because we are in Christ. Amen? He goes on, he says, I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I, when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, which is God's righteousness. We were all the walking dead. We all lived in a state of not being in relationship with the one who matters. Now, here's the second point. It's important to know that the love of God raises the dead. Not your good behavior. God's love is like a a life-giving fountain. He produces life. You know, we, we hear of people who are looking for the fountain of life, but what we need is we need the fountain of love, and the fountain of love comes through Jesus Christ. When, when Jesus was with the, the Samaritan woman who was an outcast at the well there outside of, of, of Samaria, and as he's having this relationship with her, he's having dialogue. When everyone had her as an outcast, he says, you give me some water, and, and, she, and she says, you're asking me for water? He says, I will give you living water in return. It is a, the fountain of love that God produces in his people that changes and it raises the dead. There's this uh, series, and I, I've been watching it, and it's pretty amazing. It's called The Chosen. And, and, and just the portrayal of Jesus, I have to tell you that I've cried. I, you, most of you know that I'm not, I don't cry very much. It's, it takes a long time or something big to make me cry. But there's been some episodes where I've really cried. The, 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 the dialogue that he had with Nicodemus, it was incredible, and how Nicodemus' heart just melted. And, and Mary Magdalene uh, was healed from these demonic oppression. And, and what I've seen is, is that, that you see Jesus portrayed in a way that it just changes your life. See, it's the love of Christ that changes every hard heart. It's, it's the love of God that raises the dead. Here, here's how verse 4 in Ephesians chapter 2 goes. He says, but God, being rich in mercy, in other words, his mercy never depletes, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing richness of his grace in kindness toward us who are in Christ Jesus. It's by grace that you have been saved. When you were dead in your trespasses, God loved you so very much that he made the initiative to come into your life to restore you. He even began to work on your heart. The Holy Spirit began to work on your heart and nudge you to know that where you're at is not the right place. When I talk about my salvation testimony where where I was at a party drinking with all these other people, I was not better than them. I was not smarter than them. I always default to that. But God, 
But God, in his great love and mercy, nudged my heart, bent my heart to, to know that that life that I was in was a life of destruction and death. And that's exactly what God does. He loved you so much. And it's by his great, rich mercy that never runs out that he continues to pour out his grace into our lives and our hearts. And that, beloved, that will raise a dead man. That will get you excited for the things of God. It's so much more than dead religion. It's so much more than man's philosophies. It's so much more than your own goodness in yourself. You begin to understand just how much God loved you, that Jesus would become a man and would identify with us. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he said this about Jesus. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion, and that was because he loved us. Though he never did anything wrong, he became wrong for us so that we could be right in him, so that his righteousness would be imputed to us and we could walk in this whole different existence. And you would not look at yourself as a lonely sinner or a lowly sinner, but you would look at yourself as a child of the Most High God with your head up high and walk in the holiness of Christ. So that you wouldn't come to church without an expectation that God is going to do great things in your life. See, here's what you need to know. God is the great worker of your life. And you are not who you used to be. You are who God called you to be. And who he called us to be is so much greater because we're not the walking dead anymore. We're those that walk in the newness of God and the glory of God and everything that the Lord has for us. And here's the third thing that I want you to take away with you as we close. The third thing is that we must always stand on the premise of his amazing grace. Our walk with God starts with grace. Our walk with God continues with grace. And our walk with God will end in his grace. Amen? Amen. It will never be dependent. When it comes with Jesus and through Jesus, it will never be dependent on you. When we go to heaven, when we, when we, when we go to this new heaven and new earth that God is producing, when we go to that place, there will only be one hero there will only be one champion. There will only be one name that is above all names, and his name is Jesus Christ. 
And can I tell you, as long as we keep that in our, in our wheel space, as long as we keep that in our lives, in our thoughts, and in, in this as truth in our lives, we will walk confidently in how good God is because so many people live their lives defined by their past or what they've done. You're not defined by your past. You're defined by the one who cleaned your past and made you a new person in the present and will lead you into the future. Amen? Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Pause. Unpack it, because that's powerful. We have been saved. How do we get right with God? We're saved and made right with God through grace. We put our faith in the finished work on the cross. We trust in what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing throughout our lives. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He rose from the dead on the third day. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible just told us right now that we sit with Christ in the heavenlies. That our position, our position is that we're positioned in Christ. And I sit with him in the heavenlies even though I'm walking here on this earth through the power of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit who works in me and through me because I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. And because I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit, I'm a holy one of God not because of my doing, but because of his doing. And it started with grace, and it will continue with grace, and it will end in grace. And I'm the Father's, so no matter what you think, no matter what people say, no matter what I do, because it's not dependent on me, it's dependent on him. Now, all the work that, that we talk about, all the things that are being done, which are incredible, Amen. All the, all the things that, that, that God does, like the missionaries that we support, the, the staff mission director that's gone all over the world and done so many things for the, for the grace of God, who, who recently raised uh, uh, several million dollars for a hospital in, in South America that needed help to put a, a, I forget the word done, you told me all about this amazing work that you did, and, and, and God built a hospital through, through his leading, all of these things that we do, the, the work when we've gone to Kearney and, and recent, last week in Kearney, I, I, we, I went there and I preached and, and there were two ladies that came in. One of them is the mayor of, of this metropolis, Kearney, Arizona. Wonderful, wonderful lady. I think, I think it's special. I really do. So the mayor has been coming and, and, and she, you know, she's been hearing the message and she brought a friend. And that friend, they sat together on the left side as I was preaching, and, and, uh, and I gave an invitation at the end, just like I give an invitation every week. And so they both raised their hands to say yes to Jesus and put their, put their trust in Jesus. Well, that's beautiful, but, I, but that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning. And so I, after the service, one of the leaders comes to me, do you know who that was? I was like, No. And I said, it's probably good that I don't know who it is. And so later on, it came to me. I was, we were talking, having another discussion. And they said, well, that, that uh, you know, that lady, one of the ladies was a mayor. Yeah, I knew that. 
And the other lady that came with, with her is the owner of the bar in Kearney. And so the mayor and the owner of the, of the pub and the tavern said yes to Jesus. Now, that is what God does through his people. He, he, here's how Paul ends. He says, for we are his workmanship. The, the, the Greek word right there is we are his poem. God is writing a story about us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, let's just pause right there. See, God recreated me. I am born again. I am a new person. And if God created me and I'm in Christ Jesus, that means that my potential is limitless. Are you with me? It's limitless. The only one that will stop my potential will be me not believing in the God who loves me. Are you with me? And there, there's some of you here, some young people, you're in here, and you have this battle, this tension going on. The world is pulling you. The devil is working behind the scenes, trying to take you into darkness. Your flesh is fighting everything God has for you. But the love of God is extending his hands to you in the person of Jesus Christ. And he wants to bring you into this renewed relationship where you'll have peace that surpasses all understanding. You'll have joy that the world can't bring. You'll have unconditional love that you'll never find in the people of this world. And when you come into this relationship with God, he's prepared works for you to walk in. And these works are better than, and greater than anything you could do on your own. It says right here, God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. See, before, before those people, those two individuals came into the Kearney service, before that ever happened, God had already laid it out. Before Olivia ever taught a vacation Bible school to these children that are being flown in, God had already laid it out. Before Chuck and Joanne, who held this church in Kearney together for, for, for years, before the, that they ever had to labor and pray for God to bring a pastor, God had already laid it out. And it's the love of God that has been laid out for your new path of restoration. And so God is extending his hand to you. There's someone here, God's extending his hand to you. And he wants a relationship with you. He does not want you religious. He wants you in this amazing, grace-filled relationship, not condemned, not feeling, not feeling overwhelmed. You see, God wants to lift every burden in your life, and he wants to give you rest and peace. That's the Savior that I know. He's true, and he's faithful, and he loves you with an unfailing love.
And so all heads bowed. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. A prayer and an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And it's just agreeing that, that, that you need him in your life and that you want to grab a hold of his hand and walk with him from this day forward. It's simply just, God, thank you for, for revealing your love to me. God, I am so tired of trying to do life on my own. Today I admit that I need you in my life. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe that I need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ, your Son. I believe that he went to the cross at Calvary and died for all my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day just like the Bible said he would. And so today I confess Jesus. Right now I confess Jesus as my Lord and choose to follow him from this day forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, all heads, all heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer, just, just raise your hand so that God can see that you are making a step to follow Jesus. And this right relationship, this restored relationship that he has with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. If you did that this morning and you're watching online and you said yes to Jesus, we just want to thank God for what you've done. You guys can look at me right now. Because here's what I want you to know. If you're new with us, I want you to know we will never manipulate God in someone's life. This is a you and him relationship that you're going to start. He doesn't want to force you. We don't coerce people, but we invite people into this lifelong relationship, an eternal relationship that we have with the Savior of mankind. And he loves you so very much. Let's worship him and give him praise as we close.